0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast.
1: Well, there's a story of an older woman who had never flown before, never been on an airplane. Her family bought her a ticket for a short plane trip to a nearby city. She boarded the, seat, uh, she boarded the plane, found her seat, and settled in. Then she noticed that the upholstery on the seat was a bit sold. Uh, so grumbling, she gathered her things and she moved to another seat. And she got settled in and... And just to her left was a crying baby that was a bit annoying. And so she, grumbling, gathered her things and moved to the back of the plane, found another seat. But in the back of the plane, it was too hot. sun was coming in, beaming through the window. And the woman was about to change seats for the third time when the flight attendants announced that the passengers should like fasten their seatbelts <clears throat> in preparation for the landing. And the lady was, was shocked that the trip was actually so brief. She said, well, if if I'd known the trip, it was so short, I wouldn't have spent so much time grumbling. Well, you know, life is short, right? What we don't want to do is we don't want to go through life like grumbling and complaining. Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything without grumbling. Mamet, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, do everything without grumbling. Yeah, remember getting ready this morning? Remember that car trip in this morning? Do everything without grumbling grumbling. So rather than grumbling, we want to be those who live grateful, who live grateful. And when you get up in the morning, you have like one of two choices, right? You can say, good morning, Lord, and you can, or you can say, good Lord, it's morning, right? <laughs> How you start the morning often determines, it kind of sets the course for the pace of the day. If you start out grumbling, you'll be looking through the human glasses of grumbling all day. You won't you won't feel well, people will not be nice, the traffic will be too congested, people at work will not appreciate you, you won't earn enough money, and the list goes on and on if that's the way you start your day. Or or you can look through God's glasses and be grateful, because everything we have is a gift from Him, amen? Gratitude turns whatever we have into enough, right? It's not happy people who are grateful, it's grateful, grateful people who are happy. You know, if you look through human glasses, you'll live on Grumble Street. If you look through God's glasses, you'll live on Gratitude Avenue. And the perspective you choose, the perspective you choose to process life with will shape the life you experience. That is a huge statement. The perspective that you choose, and it's your choice, the perspective you choose to process life with is going to shape the life you'll experience. It'll determine whether you go through life complaining or you go through life grateful. Now, I think we would all agree this morning that we have been blessed by God in more ways than we can number. Can I get an amen on that? Man, we have been so blessed. And this is what I've come to discover and my privilege of getting to do life with a lot of people is that we can often take for granted or overlook the blessings that have come our way, and we miss the opportunity to give thanks. In our humanity, we can get so caught up in the challenges of life, or we can be so consumed with what what we don't have, that we miss the opportunities to be grateful for what we do have. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 directs us to do this, to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. So what's God's will for you in Christ Jesus? It's this, that you give Thanks. You're living with this attitude of gratitude. We're not to give thanks for everything, but we are to give thanks in everything. And everything that comes our way, giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties we face. It's this act of faith that I believe not only changes us, but oftentimes changes our situation. When this encounter we want to look at today, because we're looking at encounters with Jesus, this encounter we want to look at today there are a group of men that had their lives and their future like radically changed. I mean, talking about a 180, that's what you're going to see in this story we're going to read today. But something, something's missing in the story. So, so I want to read the story and, and see what we can, and we're going to talk about this encounter, see what we can learn from this encounter that Jesus had with these 10 men. So Luke 17, verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Notice he didn't, the scripture doesn't say that Jesus saw them and healed them. When he saw them, He heard their cry. He gave them a point of direction. And the scripture says, as they went, they were cleansed. The miracle happened. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Were the other nine has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith, your faith has made you well. So here's 10 men, 10 men who are in a desperate point of need. They had the worst disease of their day being leprosy. And the physical ramifications are are horrendous. Leprosy attacks the body, leaving sores, missing fingers, missing toes, damaged limbs. And in many cases, the initial pain of leprosy gives way to something more terrible than that. It's it's a loss of sensation in the nerve endings, leading to more damage to more body parts. Now, this disease of leprosy can take up to maybe 30 years to, to run its course. But in that time span, hard for us to imagine, but entire limbs would just fall off of people's body. It's assuredly the most hideous disease of which in this time there was no cure. It's not like you could go to the doctor and get a cure for leprosy. It's not like you could run to the pharmacy and get some kind of medication that would resolve this issue. So these ten men had the worst disease of their day, but possibly worse than the physical pain was the emotional pain. And due to leprosy, they were, they were outcasts due to leprosy they had to be separated from their family from community and wherever they would go if someone was approaching them they would have to yell out unclean unclean so that no one would come to them because this disease was was so contagious so now they're separated not only are they dealing with this illness that's slowly deteriorating their body but they're dealing with like separation from family separation from community creating this like deep emotional pain, so they were they were in a hopeless situation. It was not like again they could they could find a remedy to this disease because there was no remedy in this day through the leprosy. It meant really a slow, painful process of death, a slow, painful process of death, even worse, alone. so you can imagine the excitement of these of these ten men, when Jesus came passing through this region of between Galilee and Samaria, where, where they were, obviously they'd heard the news about Jesus, right? They'd heard the stories, like, like the great vine spreading the news. They'd heard the stories of, of the miracles that Jesus performed. So when they saw Jesus, the scripture says that they cried out for pity, that they wanted him to encounter them in their crisis. And here's the great news for the ten men who had leprosy. Jesus Did encounter them. He didn't avoid them. See, everyone else had been avoiding them. Everyone else had been turning away, but but not Jesus in this encounter. Verse 14 says that when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, in this time, the local priests were more than individuals who directed worship on Sabbath. They were like the local health official. And so... If you had something that you thought might be leprosy, you would to go to the priest. And it would be the priest that would examine and determine whether it was leprosy or not. If by chance there was a miracle that leprosy would be healed, again, it's the priest. That's why Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. To give them the okay that they would be healed. The scripture in verse 14 goes on to say, and So as they went, they were cleansed. A miracle happened. But in this encounter, there's several things that I think we can learn from Jesus' response. And they're, they're right there on your notes. The first is this. Jesus took time for the very people that others ignored, that others avoided, that others shunned. These men had probably suffered rejection for years. I mean, think about the pain of the rejection. They were, they were avoided. No one would have come close to them, and no one would have had anything to do with them. Unclean, outcast, labeled. When Jesus stopped and he listened to their their plea for him, he took time for the very people that others ignored. What a model for us. Who is it maybe that God's placed in your path that others have been ignoring? That Jesus would have you respond to? That Jesus would have you move toward rather than moving away from? Beyond taking time, Jesus was compassionate. He responded to the point of need. Their need was obvious. They had the dreaded disease that would take their lives. Jesus could have turned away. After all, that's what everyone else did, but he didn't. He was compassionate. He responded to their cry for help. His compassion moved him to action. But he didn't just declare them clean and, and heal them in that moment. He, he certainly could have done that, but he didn't. Jesus could have spoke to them in that moment. He could have turned their situation, done deal. But Jesus didn't respond in that way. He gave the lepers this opportunity as I read this story to partner faith in action. He told them to go show themselves to the priest. Now they they had to be thinking like why why would we do that? We still have leprosy. Why go show yourself to the priest if you've not been healed yet if the miracle's not yet happen. But as they respond in faith as they follow Jesus direction they were completely healed. Not a spot of leprosy could be found. Faith in action. If Jesus gave them a direction, they responded. And in that, the miracle happened. And so it is for us today. Faith partnered with action opens the way for Jesus to work miraculously in our lives. And so in this story, we see that Jesus turned a hopeless situation for 10 men into a new lease on life. These men could now return to their family. I mean, think about that. Maybe it's been years since they've been embraced by their mate. Maybe it's been years since they were greeted by their children or held their grandchild. They could now return to their businesses or to their work. They could now embrace community. Because Jesus turned their situation around. Rather than facing the slow, painful process of death, they had hope. They had a future to look forward to. But what's interesting And this Jesus encounter story is the response of the ten men. And that's what I want to focus in on just for a moment. As a result of this encounter with Jesus, all ten lepers were healed. That's what the scripture tells us. Not half, not three quarters, but all. All ten men were healed, but only one. Only one returned to give thanks. So here's the question, where were the other nine? Verse 17, Jesus asked that very question. He says, we're not all cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, the way that scripture stated, it would make us think possibly that the other nine were of Jewish descent. And there's only this one foreigner, the Samaritan, who returns to give thanks. Now, now I'm confident this morning that the other nine were excited because of their new lease on life. Wouldn't you think so? I mean, their life has just been drastically transformed. I'm confident that they were aware that they had experienced a miracle and that Jesus was the reason for the miracle. I'm confident that they were making plans for their future. But what they didn't do... They didn't express gratitude. They didn't express appreciation to the one who had changed their situation and changed their lives. Like, how could they have had this life-altering encounter and not returned to give thanks? Maybe the same reason that oftentimes we don't give thanks. Oftentimes that we experience God showing up in our lives and we don't seize the opportunity to express gratitude. And this is what we can learn from this encounter this morning. Really simple. We want to be like the one, not the nine. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, be like the one, not the nine. Be like the one, not the nine. We want to be those who are aware of the amazing ways that Jesus encounters us, provides for us, protects us journeys with us rather than thanksgiving being a day and we have this week coming up obviously we all know we have thanksgiving come out but rather than being a day that we celebrate what we want is we want thanksgiving to be a lifestyle right it's like this is what i know folks every day jesus is traveling with you he's encountering you he's showing up in your life on a consistent daily basis. Rather than just a day of thanksgiving, we want to we build this lifestyle of thanksgiving. So I, I'm going to leave you with a few action points I think that will help you live grateful. And it's all about the choices we make. In, we don't always get to choose the path we travel. We don't always get to choose what comes down that path. But what we can always choose, right, is how we respond. The choices as to how we process life. Here's the first challenge I'm going to leave you with: choose to daily acknowledge God's goodness rather than taking it for granted. And I think this is where most of us stumble. If I can just be forthright and honest, I don't think that it's that you're not grateful, that you're not thankful. I don't think that it's you're not aware of how God is. Bless you. I mean, you know the story. Man, if, if you have a house you, you're living in and you drove a car to church today, you're like in the top maybe 7% of, of people in the world have running water. Most of you probably have food in the refrigerator and the pantry. I, I, could, I could go on and on as to how stinking blessed we are. And I don't think it's that you're not grateful. I think it's that you take for granted. You become so accustomed to that you lose sight of the awe and the wonder of God's movement on your behalf. Of God's action on your behalf. Of how God encounters you, encourages you, and travels with you. You just come to a place that you, you take it for granted. So rather than taking for granted the, the goodness of God, just, man, make a decision that you're going to daily acknowledge. And when you, when you get up in the morning, listen, before you ever get out of bed, give thanks. Every meal you set down to enjoy, it's a really easy time to what? Give thanks, right? Come to the end of your day, give thanks throughout your day of thanks, just to daily acknowledge the goodness of the Lord. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, listen how the scripture reads. The psalmist says, I will give thanks to you, Lord. Notice, with all my heart, I will tell of all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I would encourage you choose to daily acknowledge God's goodness rather rather than taking it for granted. Here's a second challenge: choose to be thankful even in the difficult circumstances. I mentioned this verse earlier, but let, let me let me just read it one more time. First Thessalonians five eighteen says, "Give thanks in all circumstances." Now, how many of you know all circumstances means like good and bad, right? When everything's going right and when things may not be going right, they're going wrong. The scripture says, give thanks in all circumstances, not just when you're happy and life is good, but in all circumstances, in every circumstance, the scripture directs us to give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think we would all say it's, it's pretty easy to be grateful when everything in life is going great. But it's much more difficult to be grateful when we're facing adversity or when we're walking through pain or we're walking through like unknown circumstances and situations, yet the Scripture directs us, commands us, if you will, to give thanks in all circumstances. You know what I've discovered in my own life is that when I choose to give thanks in the Lord... In the difficult places of life, it may not change the situation, but it changes my perspective. And when it changes my perspective, oftentimes it impacts the outcome of the situation. All because I chose to give thanks. and How it shapes perspective. It it shapes your your outlook. And what I'm convinced of is, is that gratitude and thanksgiving opens the way for God to work in me and for me. So choose. Choose to be thankful even in the hard, difficult places of life. Here's the final challenge this morning. It's this. Choose to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Cultivate means we're growing, we're developing, we're working hard at, we're, we're building this attitude in which we're processing life with. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, I want you to listen how this scripture reads. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that scripture directs us here to always give thanks. I think the directive here is to develop this This lifestyle of thanksgiving, like how do we do life? Well, we do life with gratitude. And we allow that gratitude to not only flow out of our lives, but to positively impact the lives of others. You know, I think we all know that there's bad habits, right? You want to avoid the bad habits. Are you with me? Shake your head. You want to avoid the bad habits, but there's also good habits, When we want to be, we want to be developing good habits. And I think one of the great habits that you can develop is, is this attitude, this attitude of gratitude. As we go through life with its ups and downs, we want to simply be grateful. And what we don't want to do is be like the nine who were encountered, healed, and blessed by Jesus, but they didn't return to give thanks. So choose to daily. Daily cultivate this attitude of gratitude. It was A.W. Tozer who said, gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it's one the poorest of us can make and not be poor, but richer for having made it." Isn't that a great statement? Richness in our lives by the gratitude we express. But today, we're going to give you an opportunity to express your gratitude. Now no this is not a big card so it's not like you can write paragraphs on it. You can't be grateful for much this morning because the card's pretty small. No, I'm just kidding. But would you take out this card? And there's this question, what are you thankful for? Obviously there's probably dozens of things running through your mind right now, but I want you to take the card. I want you to jot down a few things. What are you grateful for? How has Jesus encountered you in this week in your life? What has he brought your way that you're grateful for? We don't want to be like the nine. In what I know, in life you can get busy, the pressures of life, the demands of life, even in the blessings of life. I think the nine men who didn't return to give thanks, they were... They were so blessed and they were so excited that they forgot to express gratitude. Oh, here's your moment. What are you grateful for? Just jot it on the card. And this is what we're going to do. As Pastor Justin sings this song, may the words of this song called gratitude be that that encourages you and ministers to you. But during the song, we're going to ask, that you would get up from your seat, that you would bring your card, what you're thankful for, and you would drop it in one of these baskets. For all of those seated in the balcony on the tables to the right and left, there's a basket. So you don't have to come down. You can just go and drop your card in the basket on the table that's up in the balcony. So you should have your card out. You should be writing. And again, as you listen to the words of this song, it's all about giving thanks. It's all about gratitude. And I'm going to ask you to get up from your seat, bring your act of thanks, bring your, if you will, your sacrifice of thanksgiving and drop it in one of these baskets.
0: Don't you get shy on me Lift up your soul you you've got a I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing
1: let me, uh, there's no names on these, so this is pretty safe. What are you thankful for? My husband, grandchildren, and children. More importantly, my faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you thankful for? Having a healthy family. Living in a country that provides freedom. What are you thankful for? Family and friends and church. Somebody wrote in tongues. (laughs) What are you thankful for? (laughs) Salvation, healing, the Holy Spirit, that God cares about me, the small and big things. He took watch over my family. He hears me as I pray. Oh, Lord, this morning, we offer up our thanks to you. Lord, what I know, Lord, not only in my own life. But Lord, for everyone here, we've been blessed beyond measure. Lord, we don't want to be like the nine who experienced encounter with you. Yet they were distracted. Maybe they were busy. Maybe in their excitement, they lost sight of the wonder of what had happened in their lives. And they didn't return and give thanks. Lord, we don't want that to be the statement of our lives. So, Lord, this morning, again, we offer our sacrifice of thanksgiving to you. Lord, we are grateful for your grace, for your favor, Lord, for your presence, your provision for our lives. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, Visit us at gracecovenant.org.